Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, December the 20th, 2022. It's been a good couple of months for self-styled rebels, entrepreneurial rebels. We all know about Elon Musk, perhaps the less said the better. But even more pertinently, at least for today's conversation, um, there is, of course, the story, the parable, the lesson of a young man called Sam Bankman Fried, um, who is in the process currently of being extradited from the Bahamas to the United States, the kind of uh, cryptocurrency version, perhaps, of Bernie Madoff. Um, what's interesting about uh, Bankman Freed is not that perhaps he's a criminal, who knows whether he is or he isn't, but he's a man who has dedicated his life to giving money away, perhaps uh, illegally, stealing other people's money to give to uh, those in need. Uh, there's a certain kind of digital Robin Hood to his character. Um, and one wonders the impact uh, Sam Bankman-Fried as a parable of what it means to be a, a, an altruistic entrepreneur. He championed a movement called Effective Altruism, uh, which basically means that you can do good and be effective at the same time, make money and do good. It's an idea that's very much at home. Uh, in Silicon Valley. Um, lots of people wonder whether the collapse of FDX has actually killed effective altruism for rebels like Sam Bankman-Fried. My guest today on the show has done a lot of thinking about the idea of social entrepreneurship. He teaches, of course, at, at Bard College on it. And he's also the CEO of a company called Rebel Base that's very much dedicated to pioneering social entrepreneurship. He's joining us from the Catskills today. His name is Alejandro Crawford. Uh, Alejandro, what's your take on Bankman Freed? Is he just a, a common crook who, um, who, who used effective altruism to steal other people's money? Or is the parable more complicated? First and foremost, he's not a rebel, nor is Musk. Musk is a guy who will say very little about, per your point. No, I say uh, you're more than welcome to talk about him. Well, you could hear me in podcasts before he had done such a good job destroying the brand equity of my car. Um, and he was busy claiming that he was sleeping in the office already. But this is a guy who was an investor who sued to be called a founder. Right. And if you like the design of a Tesla, let's talk about von Holzhausen or any of the brilliant people, including former students of mine who have worked there. But what I want to emphasize here, Andrew, is that the problem with Musk and with Bankman Freed, if I say his name right, is that these guys are the same old Silicon Valley bros. These are the usual suspects solving the same kinds of problems and frankly in their little bubble creating a world where they get to be techno kings and what we're about is the diametric opposite of that rebel base is about saying no wait a minute 
there's someone sitting in a cubicle, a classroom or a street corner. And think everybody who's listening of that person that's maybe in the cubicle next to you or the desk next to you in a classroom or even in your community. And they know what's backwards about the way things work. That person typically now doesn't have a chance to see their ideas or their determination be made real. They don't have the access to do that. Rebel base changes that. So the key point here, Andrew, is we should be moving our allocation of capital, our entrepreneurial ecosystems away from those bros because they don't even know which problems need solving anymore. You're pioneering your work at Bard College, one of the more liberal, innovative um, arts, uh, private arts colleges uh, on the East Coast. Some people, uh, Alejandro, are, I think, argue that capitalism and do-gooding are incompatible. We've done lots of shows about it. We had one a year or two ago with Tim Jackson, an English academic who has a book out called Post-Growth, Life After Capitalism. I assume that um, you guys at Rebel Base believe that um, one can do good within capitalism. Is that fair? I think within respectfully, is the wrong word. I think the question is, if you wanted to rebuild a house, you wouldn't hire just people with screwdrivers. You wouldn't hire just a crew of people wielding only hammers. You'd want to use all the tools that we have. Capital. And there's so many young people who've gotten to think that capitalism is synonymous with what I think of as incumbents rigging markets in their favor. And if you look at EIG, Economic Innovation Group's data, we have an economy in the United States where the average American works for an older and older company. But what I wanna emphasize is that a capitalism isn't some system that is automatically run by the big players. On the contrary, what's capital? Capital is just resources that you can draw to what you're doing. And Howard Stevenson's legendary definite of entrepreneurship is the pursuit of opportunity with resources beyond your control. And so what we need to do is stop allowing folks to impose externalities and call those profits. They're not profits at all. Instead, what we need to do is open up access for those who can create new solutions, solutions that actually meet our needs and draw capital to them. So the short answer, Andrew, is that we need capital, but I'm not interested in the isms. I'm interested in more effectively allocating capital to the best of our talent and the best of our ideas. If we want to do that, we need to break it wide open. And by break it wide open, that's not just some phrase. If you look at, for example, the statistics on allocation of venture capital, it goes to the same old people in the same old circles almost all of the time. And if I had a nickel for every group saying we're investing in BIPOC women, well, when you look at the data, very little capital is going to anyone but those same old Silicon Valley bros. So I'm deadly serious and it's borne out in the numbers. Now, the good news is what we're proving in 14 countries every day of the week is that you don't just have to be in New York or San Francisco area in order to create something scalable that can change the way we do things today. In fact, I like to quote my colleague in DACA, Sebastian Groh, who leads our work on Rebel Base with folks there. And he's a successful entrepreneur in his own right, created SoulShare and Soul Mobility. But he says that's not enough. 
He says, what if we miss it? What if we only look to those people? You know what the biggest cost is? It's not to them. We have the wrong conversation about diversity when we're only worried about, oh, this poor person didn't get a seat at the table. Forget that. We, if we want to actually have an economy that's not filled with ghost industries, then we need to open up access for folks who can create what we need tomorrow because they see what's backwards. And we need to give them a step-by-step -step process, which is what Rebel Base does, to take something that they think should work differently, prototype a solution, size a market opportunity, do their financials, and that can't anymore be some arcane art. What Rebel Okay, Base so let's, um, let, let's get into the nitty-gritty, Alejandro. Good. You talk a good game, but what exactly is Rebel Base? What, what, what do you do, and, and how are you, and I use this word carefully, how are you empowering, maybe not rebels, although that's your word, how are you empowering entrepreneurs to do good and to build, quoting from your website, big things together? Yeah. So that quote comes from Sherry Turkle. In yeah, and Sherry's an old friend. She's been on my show several times, actually. Brilliant. So, so I won't steal her words. But the full quote is that um, technology has been very good, and I won't get this word for word right now, um, at enabling us to essentially save labor. Right? It's the old thing that the internet was invented by nerds who didn't want to do repeated things, but it has largely failed uh, to fulfill its broken promise to allow us to build big things together. And let me dig into that. We'll do both the nitty and the gritty for you here. The key here is that there is someone, maybe they're sitting in an industry, maybe it's their community, maybe it's something planetary, and they say, you know what? This doesn't have to work the way it works. And that's the history of innovation everywhere. Now, typically that person right now, they don't know how to make the business case. They don't know how to figure out the value. They don't even know how to identify talent that could work with them, like a technical co-founder or someone with marketing skills. Rebelbase solves that problem first. Now, the best way to understand this is this way. And it sounds complicated because it's a system shift, but it's actually really simple if you break it down as I'm about to do. So if I hadn't gotten my MBA, and I did, I might have to learn, unlearn some of what I learned there, and I saw that something could work differently in my industry or in my community, what's my situation right now? My options are, I can complain about it, I can hope the powers that be will change it, I can march about it, but I don't typically have the chance to create an experiment and iterate that with people who can help me make it real. Why not? Step so there's the biggest reason, first of all, is I just don't have the skills. Nobody wakes up in the morning. Tell me if you know anyone who does and I want to meet them. Wakes up in the morning knowing how to size a market or knowing how to do a competitive analysis or right. knowing how to create financial. No, okay, I take that point. But, you know, there are lots of entrepreneurs, lots of experienced entrepreneurs who have an idea of markets and how to build business models and raise capital and find a team. And and too many of them are the guy, are like the guys you started this conversation with. Too yeah, many of them. White and male doesn't, by definition. No, it could be Elizabeth bad. Holmes. I mean, you, you don't have you to be seem male. Pretty white right? and male to me, uh, Alejandro. No, it doesn't have to be white male. Elizabeth Holmes my, wasn't a white male, right? But she had <laughs> the George Schultzes of the world saying, "Oh, this right. is fair beautiful. point." But you know, not all. Uh, I mean, there are honest entrepreneurs and there are dishonest ones. There are many, even in Silicon Valley, and I'm a critic of Silicon Valley generally. I mean, there are many honest, innovative yeah, just entrepreneurs like, here. Just like, and I love that you did this just now, Andrew, 
there are soccer players who quit, football players who quit, who cheat, and there are football players who don't cheat, right? But Michael Lewis has done a great job and is against the rules with this. If you don't have a game that's conducive to not cheating, right? And in fact, if you only have, let's say, going back to your white male thing, and I don't think this is just a problem of white males, but remember in the days when sports, if you might it me, a Mexican-American guy, I, I couldn't compete anyway. I'm not an athlete. But if you were me, you couldn't be in the game. Forget about it, right? And so when we create a closed system where the best of our talent can't even play the game and where if you have certain advantages, if you can look across the table at a Silicon Valley type and you remind him of himself, and so he puts capital in you, right? Even if you're Elizabeth Holmes just learning to play that game, your product fundamentally doesn't okay, work. Okay, so, so I'll take your point, and, and I think it's a fair point. So the, the system is biased towards Stanford-educated young white men, and, and they're the ones, the Zuckerbergs and the Elizabeth Holmes, even if she's not a young white male, who, who benefits. So what exactly does Rebel Base do? How does this help break the system? What are you doing? Yeah, L let me emphasize that it's not just a, a bias question or even primarily a bias question. It's a question of how broad the access is. Elmira Bayrasle, in her book on entrepreneurship, did a brilliant thing when she showed that levels of entrepreneurship, and you look this up in the global. No, I, I take data. your point. Now, you don't need to convince me of this. But so, so we're talking about a wannabe entrepreneur, someone who has an interesting idea, who doesn't have access to capital, who doesn't have a network. What do you do at Rebel Bay? So what we do is we give you a step-by-step -step way to take a system that you think is broken and find opportunities to create a new one and then turn that into a product where we guide you through things like interviewing a user to see if they would use it, changing that with input from peers and experts, figuring out if the, what the price should be, what the market should be. It guides you through this process. And the key here is three points, Andrew. The first is that it's much more like a studio art process than like going to school. You can't learn this by hearing some old man, speaking of which, tell you what to do. You got to do it and you got to have what I call the luxury of risk. And what I want to emphasize is that what Rebel Base is doing is making this normal. When I started my first business, we were making media. And we spent all our money and all our time creating a studio to do what my 15-year-old niece does on her smartphone today, and she does it better. What Rebel Base is doing is making the process of launching an experiment. And you don't have to be an entrepreneur. It can be an experiment within your company. It can be a thing in your community. Whatever it is, it walks you through everything that you do to craft a product or service, figure out a business model, identify a market opportunity, position yourself against competitors, make your case to funding providers, find talent and bring it. That's a process which I'll never forget the day this hit me, Andrew, and maybe I can just tell you the story where I'd been doing this in, in high schools in, in the inner city in Brooklyn and in East Harlem near on the 101st Street, other side at 101 where I grew up. And it was amazing. What we were seeing was that what was coming out of those kids was better. And the reason it was better, it's the same reason that our users in the toughest part of the world, all around the world, are coming up with something better. It's so because you're doing, people um, who are yeah, close it, to problems. Would it be problems, fair to say, now I heard you on a podcast, that you're democratizing entrepreneurship? Is that your goal? Exactly. But where, exactly. so what I don't understand, so, you know, it's a, it's a good story, but... What, what is Rebel Base? Is this yeah. 
artificial yeah. intelligence? Is it a group of consultants like you sitting behind technology, giving people advice? How does it work? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's a B2B SaaS platform. And in that platform are what we call project builders. These are modules that guide you through how to do one of the things that I just talked about. So for example, let's say I'm figuring out how big my market is. Question every entrepreneur will get asked. Rebobase walks you through the concepts in everyday language, in English or Spanish, and then it allows you to collaborate on a team in platform to publish your solution. And that's step one. And step one by itself is kind of different. It's very different because it allows folks who don't know how to do that to do it. But it's only the setup. Now, that setup is there to solve what's called a two-sided market problem. And what that means is that you and I might know how to make a resume. We might even know how to create a dating profile. But, and, and that would draw the other side of our market to us, right? The employer or the dating partner. But most of us don't wake up knowing how to create a profile of an innovation. And that's particularly important. So, so you said this is a, a SaaS platform. So where, where do the people come from? Where's the expertise and what do people pay? What's the business model? Yeah, thanks for asking. So, so it's a business, businesses subscribe to this. And so they pay you to this. subscribe. You have to pay to, to play. So the rebel does not have to pay. The end user doesn't. But they get access to this through an organization. Let me give you three examples that will quickly paint the territory, map the territory. There are five chambers of commerce in Europe who subscribe to this because they are in parts of the world where they know that their former industrial strength isn't the future. And so they use Rebelbase to enable young people to create what will be tomorrow's businesses. Not every one of them. They're also building what we call 21st century skills that will enable their area to have a robust economy. And the fact is that's the only way economic growth ever really happens. When someone says, this big company, we gave them tax breaks and they moved in, they created a lot of jobs, it's nonsense. All net new jobs in the economy are created by new businesses. And we're enabling that there. Second example, just to make sure that I cover the territory would be uh, universities where it's like Qualtrics, where you had students using it in business programs, and then they brought it to Heineken, Expedia, and this sort of thing. Rebelbase works the same way where you're doing it. I'll give you an example right now. So you mentioned Bard College. Bard runs an MBA program, and we competitively bid for the New York Power Authority's leadership to go through this process. And so you have groups that in their day job, are doing government stuff. They're, they're, uh, they're, this is the, the company that, this is the organization that runs Niagara Falls for the US. They're a big power generation outfit in the US. And their day job is to make level two chargers, community chargers available for electric vehicles. Great. But they use Rebelbase to do what the organization wouldn't otherwise know how to do, which is just a few weeks ago to create a model for making it economical and commercializing level two chargers for lower income New Yorkers. A guy like me, I plug in my car every day. Great. But it has a certain price point, which their analysis showed could not disrupt the market in the classic yeah, definition. So does Rebelbase only focus on social entrepreneurship? I watched a, a video about associated with uh, rebel-based social entrepreneurship in Palestine. Is it a platform that enables any kind of entrepreneurship or do you have to be a social entrepreneur to participate? You do not have to be a social entrepreneur, but, and the but is important. As my friend and colleague Hunter Lovins puts it, entrepreneurship on rebel base isn't I'm hanging up a shingle and opening up my little shop. Entrepreneurship on Rebel Base is about solving a problem. And I don't care if that problem is 
I'm going to, you know, make this kind of athletic activity. I'm going to make the athletes be able to do uh, longer runs in some healthy way with my apparel, right? Any kind of problem you're trying to solve, and it gets a lot of use for the big problems and what you call social entrepreneurship for a very basic reason, which is that we have a generation now, Gen Z is looking to be involved in projects with purpose. There's broad market data uh, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're quitting jobs and they don't have that. So if you look at what's been hyped as the great resignation, behind that is the fact that you have a generation that expects their work not to have the old contract. You hire me, I rent my days to you. I've worked for your broken system, even though I know it's broken. Instead, they expect to be doing something with purpose. And the reason we surmise, we do a lot of research on, on this sort of thing, is that these users see themselves as having been given a broken world. Do you have the any um, cases that prove the success of Rebel Base? I mean, what are you most proud of in terms of enabling uh, successful social entrepreneurial ventures? Yeah. So there's three kinds of successes we care about. The first is the longest one out. And it's early enough, we're early enough stage that people who use it in beta are finally three years out, right? Those people are changing systems, right? In that film you mentioned, there's a young man who did a project on Rebel Base. His project wasn't successful, but he built muscles through it, which allowed him to then turn around and do something he said, his name is Ahmed Hejawi. And he figured out ways to repurpose industrial stone waste and other supplies and turn them into needed um, materials for the economy. And that's powerful because I want to emphasize, Andrew, he learned you've got to do this. This is about building muscles. No one would expect you to be a great diver the first time you go off a diving board. Well, this is the same well, thing. Well, well, I, I, I take the point that you need muscle, but why did he need rebel base? Because otherwise... Where was he going to get the chance to go off the diving board? Rebel Base well, why couldn't he just board go and online and network and meet people oh. on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn? Yeah. I, this is a wonderful way you put this because there's an, uh, one of his classmates, my favorite, a year later, uh, came to us and said, you know, I used to have Facebook open on my device all the time and now it's Rebel Base. And here's the difference, Andrew. If I just go on Twitter... I can have short blasts back and forth with you, but that doesn't enable you to help me build something. This is that Sherry Turkle quote I went back to, I, I started with earlier. The deal is that building something new in the world is ridiculously hard. I've, my first business failed, but I got the experience doing it. And then I committed myself to creating on Rebel Base a structured playground where you would go through the steps so you could learn to do that in a way that just think about it for a second. What you go on Facebook and say, woohoo, here's my business idea. Sure, there's plenty of people who do that. But to do that, you have to already know how. And what Rebel Base does is it shows you how as you build. That's the game changer because by showing you how as you build, it allows you to draw people to you that can put flesh on those bones and turn it into something real and also challenge you to iterate it so that you learn to make it marketable, feasible, fundable, impactful, and scalable. So you're a sort of a super LinkedIn for social entrepreneurship. How many users do you have? So 
we have 4,000 users right now, 26 organizations. We're in 14 countries and we're very new. We just commercialized this um, early pandemic. So what, what I want to just note, though, sorry to always quibble, is that I don't think LinkedIn can touch this unless they acquire us in a year or so, right? Because LinkedIn does one thing very well, but all of their groups always fail. Their learning always fails. And LinkedIn is very good at matching talent to jobs. We all use it for that. But the, it, it is not built. None of these social networks are built. We think of ourselves as a social ecosystem because unless you give that regular person the structure for fleshing out a project, and this is the game changer, there's no way to match them to the resources and collaborators they need. So if I go on LinkedIn and I'm like, here, look at me, I'm an entrepreneur, isn't that great? Sure, if I already know how to do it, but the people who have the solutions we need are typically not the ones who already. Are know you how making to do it. you teach um, you teach at the Bard Business School or what Bard has as a kind of business school? Are you in a way replacing business school? Are you making going to business school kind of redundant because that's expensive and elitist as well? Yeah, so we're doing two things at Bard. One is that we have reinvented the MBA, and I should note. The Bard MBA in sustainability is two years in a row, Princeton View, the number one green MBA, which means the number one MBA for today's world. Now, that having been said, we didn't stop there. We knew that that couldn't scale and it was serving an elite population, much as you just said. So what we did was we created an international program that's now plugging into universities all over the world. And it's on Rebel Base and it's now three courses. It's a course that I co-created called Social Entrepreneurship that you had on screen. It's a course that Aurora Winslade and a bunch of professors around the world have created on leading change in organization. And there'll be a new offering that Hunter Lovins, whom I mentioned earlier, has created in the waves of change. This is what you asked about social entrepreneurship. The reason people use this to solve the big problems is that that's what we're confronted with. It's not just about Gen Z and what they want. It's that within the decade, we must and will change every industry, every supply chain, every product to make it net zero. And we're going to do that because well, are you gonna, we're resourceful. Can you do rebel base? I mean, we just did an interview with a young woman who, environmental activist, she believes that we should shut all fossil fuel companies and find them and redistribute their wealth. Um, are you allowing entrepreneurial ideas that, for example, might use fossil fuel or other areas which you might disagree with? Do you have so, an, ed in other words, do you have a, an editorial layer? Do you have to, do these projects have to be approved before they get networked on Rebel Base? So we don't tell people which problems to solve, one. Two, one of our advisors is helping us plan tools as this reaches millions of users to make sure that projects that are you know, creating hate movements in this sort of thing can be identified. But let's just bar that for a second, okay? We, so there are many of the solutions to the climate crisis that have to use some fossil fuel, right? Of course. If, so a project was created on Rebel Base that made it possible to subscribe to your children's clothing. And as you would, um, as, as you would, as they would wear out and get dirty and get torn, you'd get new clothing, right? Now, of course, there was some fossil fuel because you had to shift the clothing. And so what we've created, Andrew, and I'm so glad you framed it this way, is it's used not to impose 
here's what you have to do. We won't win that way, the climate. The single greatest market opportunity, if we would seize it, is in climate. And the biggest failure is when we keep finding ways to do mm. things without fossil fuels better and failing to seize the, uh, the value-creating opportunities. Rebel Mace makes that possible by taking the people who are close to a better way of doing things and enabling them to create a solution, whether that's a product in your large firm or a way of doing deliveries in your community or a startup creating something new. What do you think of uh, entrepreneurs, capitalists like Ron, Ronald Cohen? I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, Impact reshaping capitalism to drive real change. Another uh, of my old friends, Dov Seidman um, from um, the Howe Institute is also pioneering this. Uh, do you see yourself as part of that new infrastructure, new way of thinking about social entrepreneurship? So Dov looks a little like Franklin Roosevelt in that picture, at least. Yeah, it, well, screen, we picked so. a Dov. Uh, doesn't actually look like Franklin Roosevelt. Pick that picture. But I was hoping you were going to say one of my old friends, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, once had an idea. Yeah, I wish. But, but, <laughs> but um, seriously, so I don't know either of them, but um, we are very much a part of the movement, and we call it using Hunter's term, integrated bottom line. And here's the key piece we can't, there's a Scylla and a Charybdis here on either side of us. The Scylla is, right, the, the six-headed monster, is for us to say, oh, you know, we'll do things the way we always did. We'll impose externalities and pretend they're profits. And, you know, we'll put a cherry on top. We will, we will say, oh, we'll do a little good in the world. So that's nonsense. We're not, what Rebel Base enables you to do is to integrate the problem you're trying to solve with the money you're trying to make. And we don't want to be in the Charybdis either, which is where we have, oh, we're going to do a lot of good and don't worry about the resources. There's, there's, look, no margins, no mission, right? But if it's all about the margins, then we're not actually solving the problem. And Andrew, it has always been that way. Go back to Jim Collins and Built to Last. Those companies weren't just trying to maximize their quarterly returns. They were solving major problems. So in that way, Rebel Base is emblematic. It, it drives the creative destruction that has always been needed. But we're at a point in our economic history where the opportunity has narrowed. Entrepreneurship in the U.S. has been declining for 40 years with a little blip during the pandemic. And so what we're doing is reopening that, reintroducing the great old idea that I can see something that doesn't make sense. And, you know, I'm just running a little bike business. And you know final question, Let's go out there to Keyhawk and see if we can fly. Final question. You know, we've had a lot of venture capitalists on the show, some better, more enlightened, more progressive than others. Some like Brad Feld actually might be intrigued by your idea. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brad Feld at Foundry Ventures or Albert Wenger at Union Square. What, what's the role of venture capital in this? Because for many founders, for many entrepreneurs, for better or worse, they need capital. Is there a, a place on Rebel Base for venture capital and venture capitalists? Yes and no. So yes, in that Rebel Base enables folks with capital to find the solutions. It's the deal fault flow problem in their terminology. We are one of the reasons I started it was I was all I was working for folks doing buying startups and their problem was that they didn't know how to look under the hood. It was just all this 
smoke and mirrors that the entrepreneur would create. A key attribute of Rebel Base that we haven't gotten had time to get into is it allows you to evaluate a project that has been created in a structured way so you can drill down to any of these things that I talked about enabling the entrepreneur to make and assess them. So it's extremely useful, not only for funders of various kinds, but I also have to say the no part before we close here, which is that venture capital as we know it itself needs to be broken open. We need to get past this era we've been in where everybody's seeking for the unicorn and whoop to do and we end up investing in WeWork, right? So what we need to do instead, I believe, and I'm not saying every investment is 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 you know Adam Neumann, but here's the here's the doozy, here's the rub. Janice Shade, my colleague, is currently collaborating with us. And she, if you watch what she's done with, with uh, Capital Innovation Lab, she is also opening up what it means to invest. Mm -hmm. So the big promise of Rebel Base is not that your Sandhill Road dude is going to find his deal flow, although that is useful. It's much more that someone who has resources that can invest in an idea, they could bring to an idea, financial capital, warehouse space, partnership, all of the kinds of capital that startups and new ideas need. That person currently has no ability to assess most of the interesting projects to invest in. And I know this because I did the framework for the National Minority Angel Network years ago, training new investors who'd come into money to evaluate startups with a due diligence framework. We made Rebel Base. I mentioned a two-sided market problem. Well, you've brought us to the other side of that problem, which to, is to open up investing itself and there's lots of complication on the regulatory side, but we're making it possible for you to find something that solves the problem that you want to solve and then evaluate it in a structured way where you never before would have seen that solution. Whether you're an executive greenlighting a project at your company, whether you're someone trying to help a nonprofit in your community, or whether you're a private investor investing in a venture.